Welcome to Captain Johnny's special edition podcast on 9-11. This is part three of my special 9-11 podcast. And if you have not listened to part one or part two, I highly recommend that you do that before moving on. And for the people who have listened to part one and two and they have forgot a few things, don't worry about that. I have you covered. I will take care of you just as any captain ever does. And we will do a summary here in a second. But first, everybody knows I start off these podcasts with a moment of silence. So please join me for that moment of silence right now. Thank you so much for joining me in that moment of silence. As always, it means everything to show people the honor and respect that they deserve. Let's go into the summary from part one and part two of this podcast. Is that American 11 trying to call? We have some claims. Just stay quiet and you'll be okay. We are joining to the airport. And uh, who's trying to call me here? American 11, are you trying to call? Nobody move. Everything will be okay. If you try to make any move, you'll danger yourself and the airplane. Just stay quiet. a story about what happened to you on the morning of 9-11. I absolutely have a story from uh, September 11th. Yes, I do. Somebody told me that what happened to you, some people think, could be a miracle. Uh, I believe that to be true myself. I, I was right in the middle of the Trade Center when the uh, building was collapsing and I survived, so... That sounds incredible right there. At the end of the turn, it was descending through 2,200 feet, pointed toward the Pentagon and downward Washington. At 9.37.46, the plane hit the Pentagon at the first floor level and unleashed a fireball that rose 200 feet above the building. So we've had two airplanes hit the World Trade Center, and the third one has hit the Pentagon. If America hasn't woken up by now, It sure has to. Because we are now in a fight against terror. And it is one of those where not everybody even knows about this yet. 
This was a time where cell phones were around, but not in everybody's hand like they are today. Even if you did hear it, it was one of those where you wouldn't believe it if you saw it. You would look at it on the TV and you'd be like, no, that can't be happening. But it is. It is happening. And we now have to face the fact that the World Trade Centers have been hit, the Pentagon has been hit, and there is one more aircraft out there that is getting hijacked as we speak. Let's listen in to United Flight 93 as they go into the recount of what happened on that flight. United 93, you're here Cleveland Center. United 93 is one of 4,500 planes in the sky above America. It's under the control of Al-Qaeda terrorist Ziad Jara and just 34 minutes from its target, the capital. A top-secret recording from United 93's cockpit reveals what happens in its final moments. Few people have ever heard the tape. You could hear the sound of the wind passing over the wings. So there was a lot of background noise, but even so, it was fascinating. You could hear the scuffling. You could hear people moving quickly. The sense was that there were several people working together. You could hear a hijacker being hit with some type of object, and you could hear the pain that he felt when he was hit. And it was a cry and a wail as if he had been fatally struck. All of a sudden, Saeed, one of the hijackers in the front, yells, Fight! And his buddy said, Yeah. They were realizing that the passengers and crew members were coming to get them. We started to see change in the aircraft's flight. The airplane started making some pretty extreme maneuvers. Turned to the north, it turned to the south, it did like a 270 degree turn. I didn't know what was going on there. Cleveland enlists the help of a nearby light aircraft. We're 56865 Cleveland Center. We have a Boeing 757. Can you see him up there, sir? We've got him. Uh, what altitude does it appear to be he's at? He's probably 8,000 feet. He's behind us and only about 1,000 feet above us. I advise you stay away from that aircraft. Go north as fast as you can. In the opening moments of the passenger fight back, the terrorists lose altitude and veer away from their target of Washington, D.C. And then they ran up the length of a 757 
with all their improvised weapons, and you could hear them coming, and we could hear it in the, in the recording. It became louder and louder, people yelling, and I'm thinking maybe they should have just done it quietly. Oh, it was smashing, and just sounded like things were being banged around and commotion. And then we all heard Tom's voice. All of us just jolted. He was trying to get home to us. You could hear him yelling, in the cockpit, the cockpit. They were chanting. Tom Burnett started at, we, in the cockpit, and they were going, in the cockpit, in the cockpit. They rattled the heck out of those guys in the front. They were terrified. If you can, uh, report what he's doing, sir. Uh, it looks like he's rocking his wings, uh, according to my observer. Roger. He's rocking back and forth. By shaking the aircraft back and forth, left to right, the hijackers tried to dislodge the passengers. You could hear the passengers and crew members outside of the cockpit door. Really loud, and the guys yelling together and encouraging one another. You could also hear the hijackers inside the cockpit. They said, is that it? Should we put her in the ground now? It's no, wait. And then you could hear the noise blasting them. Get him! And then Tom said, I'm injured. It was in a way that you had the sense that he was saying, don't wait for me. Keep going. You could hear they were working together, and Dina said it was Tom that said, if we don't get in there, we'll die. Such harsh words. But that's the reality. She wasn't wrong. It is one of those things that the people on United 93 had to face. They had to understand what could happen or what couldn't happen with everything depending on what they did and what they didn't do let's go to one more clip of inside the cockpit and then we'll talk more about this Get 
this is what happened on United 93. And it's one of those where with the information that we have, we can recreate it. And it's one of those that it still gets to me every single time. And being in aviation, I think it gets to me more, especially being a captain. Part of my job is to make sure that you get from point A to point B safely. That didn't happen that day for that captain. At approximately 9.28 a.m., the cockpit was breached and the pilots were incapacitated. And the terrorists took over control. How crazy is that? To think that you cannot get those people where they need to go now. There's a new destination in mind. And a lot of people always have issues with this, and I totally understand that when things become out of your control, you don't know what to do. Your mind goes to different places, as it should. And typically it goes into your thoughts of your loved ones and people you're gonna miss the most. To give you an idea, 37 phone calls were made by 13 people that were able to make it from the air phones. Now you wonder why didn't everybody make those phone calls? Because there are still two terrorists on board. So the people who were able to actually make them, the 13 people, they had to make them secretly. But thankfully through those, the news spread about the other airplanes. And so those people started to band together to help breach the cockpit and take the airplane back. Now they did that at approximately 9.57 a.m. Unfortunately, a few minutes later at 10.03 a.m. the airplane crashed. In Somerset County near Shanksville, Pennsylvania, which is south of Johnstown, Pennsylvania, and about an hour and 15 minutes southeast of Pittsburgh. Now, most people would probably get discouraged from this, but I'm gonna tell you, they became selfless and acted together to help take down the terrorists. And everyone became heroes that day because they decided enough is enough. And this is something that we tend to do over time. Unfortunately, some people get beaten down in life and they don't know how to regain that control of their life. But it's something that you have that aha moment, as they say, and you realize, oh no, I can do this.
or it can be a conversation with a friend, or it can be a sign of any kind. And you realize, I'm going to live. I'm going to make this happen. And I'm going to go back to Firefighter John on the ground at the World Trade Center and listen to this. He had a lot of thoughts that everybody goes through and experiences. And I think everyone can relate to this. Again, please listen in. 40 firefighters, the lights go out, the building collapses. I'm in a sheer panic. I'm right in between the doorway, the revolving door between building number one and building number two. I see the woman who went through the door. She tries to come back towards me. I grab her hand. I can't pull her through. Something lands on her and kills her on the other side of the door. We're in total you darkness. Got As I'm holding her hand, she's not coming. Something is holding her back. I let go of her. I get thrown into the air from the force of the wind of the building coming down. And I'm literally like a rag doll being tossed around. I'm flailing my arms. And I land on the floor and I open the wall. And I'm screaming, God, please save me, please. I don't want to die. After about 11 seconds, it stops, and we're in complete quiet, total silence, darkness, hot ash hits me in the face, I can't breathe. I remember I have my air cylinder on my back, I turn on my air cylinder, I go to put my mask on my face that we breathe in fires, it's filled with dust. I put my mask on my face, I'm covered completely in dust, I suck dust down my throat. So now I'm like, oh my God, I'm gonna, I survived this and now I'm going to die from asphyxiation in the building? I shake out the mask, I put it on my face, I get two good clean hits of air. Now I'm starting to rationalize a little bit. I can think. I'm in complete darkness. I'm walking through the building. I come to an area, I have a little flashlight on my head and I come to an area where it's the security booth and I can see the security guard is killed. He was hit by some kind of debris, beam, some part of the building, concrete. There's nothing I can do for him. But I see in front of me the elevator bank and the elevators had crashed down and there were people thrown out onto the floor. Nobody's moving. Only able to see a few feet in front of me, I hear voices, people telling me, don't leave us, we're still alive. But I can't find anyone. It's pitch black, I can't find them. It's debris, I'm crawling over debris everywhere. As this is occurring, and I'm now in the building for about a good 10 minutes, panicking that I can't get out of here, that I'm gonna be trapped in here. I see on the wall on the right side, a big square window of light it's all com completely light gray and everything else is dark. Said, That's a window. That's my way out. Again, to me, a sign from God to show me in all this darkness a window, a way out. As I approach the window, I run into an escalator. The escalator had been right in front of the window. I believe the debris had fallen on the top of the escalator and the escalator held and it held the debris up and underneath the escalator was a window. I got to the window. I could see outside. I'm outside. I can feel the fresh air. I turn around into the darkness. I take my, my flashlight off my helmet and I wave it into the darkness and I yell back into the, into the trade center. If anyone can see my light, this is a way out. Follow my light. With that, five people come up from the basement. A firefighter and five civilians. They come up. I run off to the left with the firefighter and two of the civilians. The other civilians run to the right, they're killed by the other building collapsing on them. They never made it. They got halfway down the block and they were crushed. We ran out into the street. I turned around to see what was going on. 
the top of the North Tower is now collapsing and falling towards me. So now we start running. I said, I can't outrun this building. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get hit by this building collapsing on me. I make it about a block and a half away, and I laid down in the field, an area where they were doing construction work, and I figured if this is it, just let it be quick, and I covered my face, and with that, the building went in on itself, and I was completely engulfed in the dust that you see on videos that completely shot over everybody, and I thought in that dust there must have been hot fire and ash, and this was just going to consume me, and I, they were going to find me out here, but it wasn't. It was just dust, and within seconds, it lifted. At that point, I actually believed that I was the last person on the planet. It was complete silence, like a radioactive winter. There was just dust around me. And I said, oh my God, I'm the last person left. No, no one else survived. Everyone was killed when this building came down. Within seconds, when the dust lifted, I could see gray figures moving around. I was so relieved that I wasn't the last person alive. If you haven't noticed by now, Firefighter John is one of my favorite stories that I came across and I think it's partly because I can relate to him when he said the line am I going to live or am I going to die I had an experience about almost 10 years ago where I was faced with a similar situation where I said to myself, am I going to live or am I going to die? And like Firefighter John, I had clues all around me helping me to survive. If I wanted to, I could fight for my life. Or I could go down the other path and I could say, woe is me. And I could have died right then and there. But as you know, I chose a different path. And so did firefighter John. And even as he is fighting for his own life to get out of the building, he continues to lead like the firefighter he is and got more people out of the building through the same spot he found to get himself out of the building. And that to me is nothing short of a hero. As a full blown hero in my mind. And then it's just one of many. And I think we need to learn from his example and many others that we have choices and we can either choose to go down the rabbit hole and say, woe is me. My life sucks. I hate this. Or we can switch our mind and say, you know what? I'm alive. Nothing else matters. I'll figure everything out. It's okay. 
That is something I really want you guys to take away from this. Is that no matter what happens in your life, you can get through it. Each person has their own way of dealing with everything. And it could just be going out into nature. It could be religion. Or it could be talking to your friends. It doesn't matter what you do. What does matter is that you get help and you say, Hey, I don't like this. I am not going to surrender to this. This is not going to be my burden anymore. I am going to let this go and I'm going to figure out a way to move on. And that is what a lot of people forget to do. They forget to let the past be the past. And they forget that they need to carve a new path. Start on a new road. And yes, you can use history as a guide of what to do and what not to do. But I really want to encourage you to learn and grow from this podcast that I did on 9-11. I really thank you for your time. And I really hope that in some way this has touched your heart and it really has helped you to learn that you need to continue to grow in life and not surrender or get overcome by all the bad things in life. That even through the bad, there is good. And like I've told you, there's bad in every situation, there's good in every situation, and there's bad to good. And I hope that you have heard it all through this. And if you missed it, listen to this series again. And if you don't pick up everything on the second time, listen to it again and listen to it again. Everybody picks up on something different every single time. It's one of the reasons why when you watch a movie multiple times, you notice different things because you're not so focused on the main part of everything in the movie. Because you know what happens in the movie. So now you can start focusing on the details. And then that is what I want to encourage you to do. Again, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I really enjoyed working on this and it is probably going to be one of my favorite series of podcasts to do. Now, that could always change, but I've really enjoyed this and I hope you have too. And if you guys have anything you guys want to comment about, 
please comment on my Facebook page when I post this podcast. And let me know what's going on. Also, if you need help or just someone to listen to, I'm there for you. And if I can't help you, I will get someone who will be able to talk to you and help you with what you need. Thank you for your time again. Have a blessed day. And live life like you've never lived it before. Because you never know what tomorrow may bring.